How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode three of the Conflict News Analysis Podcast. Joining me for this episode is my good friend, Sean. Sean is a former infantryman with the 101st Airborne Division who served in Iraq. After his time in the Army, he spent four years as an immigration officer and currently is a special agent for the DOD. Hey, Sean, what's up? What's up, man? What's up? What's up? What's going on? We got yeah. a lot to talk about. <laughs> we do. We do, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. So let's jump into it, dude. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so so first I kind of wanted to, like, talk about just a little history, you know, going sure. back to, like, the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, your time in Iraq. Um, you know, just stuff like that. Give me a little bit of your military experience. I'll jump in with a little bit of my military experience, you know. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I joined as a delayed entry program recruit in 2005. Um, you know, I think I was having a conversation with someone the other day. Um, you know, the war for us as kids, you know, um, after 9-11 happened, we kind of just watched everything unfold, you know, for not just like a few days, you know, but like years. <laughs> I, I feel like Fox News was like uh, replaying uh, the attacks on 9-11 pretty much on a daily basis. Oh, um, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So, you know, so like, shaped us um, and prepared us for what's to come or what we inevitably um were essentially tasked to do in our, in our mind. You know, I had already made up that mind, my mind, uh, in 2004, really, uh, that I was going to join the military and, um, eventually go to war. What, um, what year did you graduate? I can't remember. Yeah. So I graduated in 2006. Okay. Um, dude, if I could, if I would have, you know, uh, I was eager, you know, like I, I, I remember um, a friend of ours, he actually had gone, he was a little bit older than us and uh, he was the brother to my best friend and he actually joined the 101st. And uh, I remember when he left, it was like, you know, I couldn't wait to leave. I, if I would have, if I could have graduated, uh, you know, two years earlier, I would have. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. So uh, 101st, you have like airborne wings, you got air assault wings. That, no, man. Uh, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a traditional when I was in, you know, um, it's wartime, right? So they have different standards. Each garrison has different standards for their wartime recruits. So um, when I had got there, it was pretty much, and I was a rock Hassan, So I was in the first battalion, 187th infantry um, rock Hassan, uh, you know, it's, well-known around the world about the unit. And for them, they didn't really care too much about schools. You know, it was mainly about your physical performance and how you could perform in the field. Right, right. Right off the bat, you're, you know, you're doing IMTs, you're running the, you know, the 15 to 20 milers, um, you know, you're running with the log, log PT, you're climbing rope, you're doing push-ups, you're doing sit-ups, you're doing pull-ups. Um, you know, you're getting smoked on a regular basis, um, you know, for just things, just, just cause, you know, just if, you know, you looked at someone the wrong way, you were getting smoked, you know, and I think that <laughs> that, that was just all part of the readiness of it. You know, it, you know, it, it's just, you know, put you and keep you in the most highly stressed positions 
pretty much every day um, to prepare you for what's to come because what does eventually come um, should be more stressful than what they put you through. Uh, but in there, and it actually um, feels a little bit less. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense though, because I remember that time it was, it was a wartime army and we were sending a lot of guys over to the middle East. So that makes sense that they were more focused on like actual practical implications of how you're going to perform in a combat situation. Yeah. 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 Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, that was before we had, uh, I think 2007 is just when they got rid of stop loss. Right. So um, you had a bunch of guys there that were just gritty and very just uh, disgruntled, I guess you could call it. Right. So, um, you know, I had guys in my platoon that were, that had gotten stop lost. Um, and it really was just um, for them. I think it was more just resentment, but you know what it was, Hey, you know what, if I got to do this, I'm going to make sure that I come back alive, you know, and, and I come back, doing the job and I'm not going to lose my life to some, you know, E3 private that doesn't know shit from his asshole. Right. Um, right. You know what I mean? Excuse my language, but it's all um, good. Yeah. So that, 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 that was the environment that I grew up in, you know, in, during that time. How long were you in? Did you do one contract or did you do multiple? No, I did one, 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 you know, listen, uh, I don't think I could have did another, you know, extend another four years, <laughs> uh, you know, especially not in that unit. You know, it, it was a very good old boy type unit. And, um, you know, when I, I'm not lying. You know, if I if I said every day um, wasn't challenging and difficult, I'd be lying. You know, every day felt like I was pushed to my max. Um so yeah, I did four years, and that was I was pretty much done after that. <laughs> Damn, it sounds it sounds like a tough four years. <laughs> it was. It was like a, a prison sentence for me. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and that's how it literally felt. Um, and I, I don't really like. I said a, a lot of my peers got out. You know, it wasn't. Um, you know, a lot of them went on to OEF ten. Um, and that was the deployment that, you know, a lot of uh, my friends got really hurt. Um, my team leader lost his leg in, OI- in OEF-10. Oh, um, yeah, you know, so I, I, I do have a little resent, you know, I, a little regret of not going. Um, but it was time, you know, and like you kind of, you know, as, as you go through the military, you'll know um, when it's time. And for me, it was time. It was like, hey, get out, uh, take the skills that you learned and apply them somewhere else in the private sector or in another governmental sector. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have had like a more different experience when I was over in Savannah <laughs> at, uh, at 603rd at Hunter Army Airfield. I mean, it was, you know, I was, I was working on the Apache helicopter and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we weren't getting smoked like that. We weren't. Um, you know, I don't know. This is a very different experience. Yeah, yeah dude. I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my first experience, uh, at Fort Campbell at third brigade. 
So I get my bag. I'm coming over from, um, I'm coming over from, uh, you know, uh, HHC or whatever, you know, signing in. So I get my oh, bag yeah, in processing In processing, whatever. So, you yeah. know, you get your, your barracks key and all that stuff. So I, I go over and it's the middle of the day and, um, I look over and there's like 30 guys just sprinting over to the barracks. I'm looking and I'm like, what the hell are these guys doing? And they're in civvies, but they're just sprinting over to the barracks. And I'm like, all right, I'm just standing there watching them. And this dude, we lock eyes. He's running straight towards me. And I'm like, is this, what is he doing? Comes right over, punches me in the face. What? I'm like, swear <laughs> what? To God, swear to God, punch me right in the face. They all run inside the building, inside the barracks. And uh, they go up to they go up to the floor, and you hear a bunch of commotion up there. And I run upstairs. I drop my bag. I run upstairs, and dudes are just brawling in the barracks, like in the hallways, <laughs> you know, in the stairwell. They're just brawling, um, <laughs> you know. So I, I I'm like trying to stay back or whatever, and like um, MPs come, you know, you know, big huge thing. Um, guys from the brigade are coming over. I'm standing outside with my bag, like, what the fuck? You know, like, what the hell was that about? Um, you know, it gets broken up. These guys, they, you know, they all scatter. These people run this way. These people run that way. And uh, I'm looking around, like, what the hell? No one says anything. They all go back to their rooms, and they, they part their separate ways. Come to find out, um, they were actually military police officers. We lived next to an MP barracks. And someone in my unit, like maybe two weeks prior, got pulled over for DWI. Um, and a bunch of guys in my unit went over to the MP barracks and just beat up a bunch of MPs. Uh, crazy. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. I couldn't make it up. Dude, I, I, it, it was absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, but that was the environment. You know, like it was like everyone was on edge. Everyone was like wanted to be a badass. Um and you know you were like, and and I think they described it when I got there was like, you remember that scene in um, uh, that football movie where, you know they you know they're high schoolers and you know the the guys friends like you know, go get yourself a ring or go get this ring, um, you know that's how it was. It was like go get your championship, you know go get that CIB, go get that combat action badge, go over uh, to Iraq, you know and go get that go get that ring, go get that Super Bowl ring. Um, and that's the environment. That's what it was. It was like, go over there, go be a badass, go fuck shit up and come back and walk around like, you know, like the toughest motherfucker on earth. Um, wow. Yeah. You know, crazy. Yeah. That's, that's a crazy world, man. Holy shit. Yeah, it was totally intense. You know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm thinking about now. I'm just thinking about all the fucking paperwork you'd have to go through if there was a brawl in the barracks now like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no. Now it's like, you know, and, and it was totally like, you know, hey, you know, guys just separating each other. Even the MPs, they came and it would just separate everyone and they just and everyone just, you know, left. <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Dude, um, nowadays, like, <laughs> yo, NJP, one little thing, like, oh, you yeah, get in no. trouble, dude. No. <laughs> No, no, it was totally wild back then. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't have any stories like that. <laughs> yeah. Third. Yeah. No, <laughs> and, you, know, was... you know, now now I'm going the officer route. So I said, I said, fuck it. I'm not staying enlisted. <laughs> no. And you know what? And, you know, like I said, being the enlisted guy, you know, you get shit on the most, you know. And, uh, you know, you'll see once you go the officer route, you know, it's. Because even now, my job now, you see guys that, 
are or were officers. And they're so much more equipped uh, for life, I think, you know. Um, they understand leadership like no other group of people will understand, you know, and that's something that I didn't really get, you know, that, that leadership piece, um, how to lead others, not just how to lead others in combat, but how to lead others in the private sector, how to lead others in the governmental sector. Um, and that's something that you will be able to get um, that will be second to none. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that's a great skill. And I think, you know, they do definitely teach and equip the officers better than the enlisted. I mean, dude, you, you know how it is when you're enlisted. You don't know what the fuck is going on. People are just telling you to do shit. And you're like, why? And they're like, shut the fuck up because we told you to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, it's like, it's like, okay, well, fuck you. So yeah. I think it's good, though, like for me, because, you know, I've had that experience. And then I could go into the officer world and kind of like, you know, let let soldiers know why they're doing things because there's a big disconnect there. Like that. I, at least I noticed from my experience, like we would do stuff and, you know, prepare for stuff. Like in 2020, we, we went out to Germany for defender 2020 and, you know, we were, you know, packing all our stuff up, getting ready to go. And I had no idea why we were doing anything. Like nobody <laughs> told me anything. They're just like, shut the fuck up, go to the connex, like put your shit in there inventory all this shit blah 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 get on the plane go to germany and it's like okay what the fuck but you know i I feel like you know it's kind of the responsibility of of prior enlisted guys to like you know let their enlisted guys know okay this is what we're doing this is why we're doing it you know you're not just some piece of shit that does things that i say you know what i mean right um yeah and i think um you know even my time being enlisted guy um you really learn how to follow orders and, and just do what you're told. And, um, you know, now I, I see, you know, there's a lot of, I don't want to say lip action. And, and that, that's what my team leader used to say, like, don't give me any of that lip action, uh, which meant like, don't give me any lip back. Don't talk back to me. Um, whatever I say goes. And if you don't like it, uh, call your congressman. Right. So <laughs> right, I've gotten uh, that a couple times. Yeah. yeah, And that's just that that was like the old school way of doing things. But you know what? It kept you alive. Right. right. Because in when, you know, you could do stuff in training all day long. But when the bullets are coming the other way and people are shouting and things are happening and, and, and it's happening in real time, you need to be able to shut the hell up listen for commands and know what the next command is going to be to keep you alive. Um, and I think as a unit, we were able to do that uh, very effectively. And I think that's one of the reasons why 101st is deployed um, to a lot of the combat zones because we do it a lot better than a lot of other people. Um, and, I, and, I, and it starts really with, uh, leadership and instilling that and allowing, you know, even the officers allowing the enlisted leadership to kind of take the reins. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. You right. know what I mean? Uh, and, and that, and that's really what uh, I think set us apart from a lot of other different units where um, the, whatever the Lieutenant said goes or whatever the captain said goes. You know, in my unit, it was my lieutenant said, hey, listen to the platoon sergeant. Whatever he says goes. Uh, whatever your squad leader says goes. 
Um, so I think yeah, that's, that's really smart. That's really smart because that that platoon sergeant's probably been in like 12, 15 years. Hundred like, percent. He knows he knows what the fuck he's doing. You know what I mean? That's, exactly. It ain't that's, his first. Yeah. It ain't his first rodeo. Exactly. Exactly. And you can you can have a platoon leader that's like fresh out of college, <laughs> never yeah. seen any never seen any combat, nothing in his life. It's like no, you need to rely on that platoon sergeant to really you know help you out and make the right call. Yeah, and listen, uh, you know, um, my platoon leader, you know, his last name was Patton, and you know. West Point graduate, you know, very high speed guy, you know, um, very high speed at that time, you know, and I never forget we were in Iraq and uh, my platoon sergeant at the time wanted us to do a dismounted patrol or like a night raid in a village um, that where the road had known IEDs on it. Um, so obviously all the lower enlisted guys like myself and people on my team and other teams that we're that were with us were like why, why the fuck would we do a dismounted patrol on a road where there's ieds planted like that's just dumb as fuck like that's the stupidest idea and um you know all the other sergeants kind of were like yeah that's stupid um but that's what the platoon students aren't wanted to do and that he said that would give us the um the upper hand in the raid you know, he, that's what, you know, that's what his plan was. And, uh, a lot of people kind of were like, you know, almost formed a mutiny and, uh, our Lieutenant came in and said, you know, you guys need to shut the fuck up. You need to listen to what the fuck he's telling you to do. I'm telling you to shut the fuck up, get your shit and we're going. Um, and we did, we stepped out that morning and I think, uh, I don't think we went longer than, you know, 50 meters before um, one of the team sergeants stepped on a dismounted IED. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, thank God it was buried really deep and, um, you know, it, it knocked him back. I think, you know, 20, 30 feet. Uh, he lost his, a, a significant part of his hearing, got a purple heart, um, but it could have been a lot worse <laughs> than oh, what it yeah, was. Definitely. You know, that's but, interesting. They didn't send anyone send anyone out like to sweep for IEDs prior to that, or after, after, after. after. <laughs> They're like, after. oh no, you guys go, go check yeah. out the situation. Yeah, yeah. After, after, the, uh, after, after it blew, they they had to, we you know we basically had to set up uh, three sixty, and then you know they called the EOD guys out, and I think once the EOD guys came out, I think another one or two blew after that after they cleared the road. Okay. Uh, but you know, it could have been totally avoided, um, right? If they had just done yeah. that originally, yeah. Or just take—we could have just took trucks and then been in the trucks and got blown up that way. But um, you know, it, it, you know, it, it just—it just goes to show you during that time it was very militant. Where you know you have to do what you're told. Not like today, you know, where you have access to social media and everyone has a personality. I we had no, no one had their own personality. Everyone was on the same level. Um, maybe we had our own personality outside of, you know, the job and outside of like when we were in our barracks or when we were, you know, together by ourselves. But, you know, when it was like a unit cohesion, you know, we were doing unit stuff like no one had a personality. No one had an opinion. Um, and, I, and I just that was a, just a, a very extreme, um, I guess, example of when those personalities start to leak out. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, I wanted to also ask, like, when you were in Iraq, kind of what, what missions were you guys running? Like, were you part of the surge? Like, wh- I, I can't – what time period were you were you there? Yeah, yeah so so that was um, 2007. Okay. Um, that was that was during the surge, right? So yeah. I got there in September 2007 um, during the surge. And, uh, yeah, our, our mission was to drive out the remaining forces, the re- remaining Al-Qaeda, um, you know, sleeper cells, if you will. Um, and also it was to train the uh, IA to do what we do. So like, you know, actually um, going on raids, but putting them first or having them do uh, small unit tactics or having them, you know, do left seat, right seat with us, uh, you know, have them um, go on patrols with us in their own vehicles. Right, Um, right. You know, TCPs, we did a lot of TCP stuff, you know, searches of vehicles, um, enforced curfew. You know things like that. Uh, I, I think during that time, it was pretty much the idea was to say, okay, uh, we have a pretty good foothold here, and any other little squabbler or any little cell that is out there, um, it's our job to find them uh, and root them out and, and and kill them. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. So you did what? Was it a 9-month or a 12-month or even like a 15-month deployment? Well, that was a, that was an 18-month deployment. Uh, um, but I got hurt in the middle of it. Um, so I ended up doing, I think, 13 months. Okay. Still super long. <laughs> yeah, super long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I never forget, like, uh, I got there in – I September either September October November whatever I got there and um I want to say it wasn't long maybe I don't know uh, probably like two weeks um a lieutenant she actually got blown up and she died ah right on 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 a route that was by our patrol base and it, it was very eerie like the the landscape was very eerie like you know you would go into market village and like people just gave you like a very eerie look. It wasn't very inviting. It wasn't like, Oh, you know, Mr. Mr. It was just very eerie. Um, so I think we were waiting for something to happen. It was just tense. It just felt like something was bound to happen and it's eventually going to boil over. Um, but I think, it, you know, we at that point were so, um, you know, anything that happened, there was violence of action after. Um, so it kind of kept people at bay. Like, hey, you, you know, you fuck around, like, we're going to fuck with you. Like, we're going to start, you know, we're going to kick in doors. You know, we're going to basically rally you up. We're going to search your fucking house. Um, we're going to put you on the ground. We're going to put you in flex cuffs. And then, you know, essentially we're going to enforce this curfew. And if we catch you out, um, same thing's going to happen, right? Right. We're going to pull you. We're going to drag you out of your car. We're going to throw you to the ground. We're going to put you in flex cuffs. And you're going to sit with us for a few nights. Um, you know, so um, I just was like so nervous about like, you know, my nerves were like, I, I felt like I had like IBS pretty much like that, like those first three months. So I remember my team leader was like, 
all right, hey, uh, we're taking block leave in December. You know, who wants to go? And I said, shit, I'm going to go because, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here within the, you know, the next few months. And I really want to see my family before Christmas, you know, maybe if it's going to be my last Christmas, like I want to just go see them, be able to, you know, say my goodbyes and then come back. It was the worst idea, right? Because uh, I ended up doing like 12 months straight after that. Um, right, right. You know, so um yeah, I mean, it was not a good idea, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, man, Iraq, that's just, you know, with the whole insurgency and then, like, you know, that power vacuum and, and ISIS pops up and, ah, oh, man, Iraq was such a mess. It, it, you know, it was, but I like to say it really wasn't, right? Because uh, if you think about it, um, in 2009, um right when we left it it was pretty much you know the ia had a good handle on things um you know with rolling tcps they had a lot of um you know i guess tools you know that they could use that they had at their disposal um to basically keep everyone at bay you know um they had patrol bases they had uh, yes, you did have like those insider threats always in, in every scenario you have almost an insider threat at That's least with one. every war though you yeah, yeah you you have them yeah. um but again, like I said, they had the tools to to weed those people out um and to prosecute those people uh I just think when we left you know and kind of just left them hanging um it it it, it emboldened. ISIS to come about or Al Qaeda to come about in a, in a more uh, stronger way. You know, if we would oh, just. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely, it's definitely when we pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, 100%. Listen, we, we had all of the necessary tools to build up and to build out. Um, and that was, I thought, was the goal. It was like, you know, hey, you, you know, you, in 2010 and 2011, there was really no fighting. Right. So take that opportunity where there's no fighting and, and no one's getting shot at. And no one's being bombed and no one's, um, you know, there's no IEDs on the road and, 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 and citizens are actually coming to you um, and you're paying citizens to give you intel on where that bomb is and where those insurgents are hiding. You know, take that opportunity to build out and to and to build up. Um, and I guess we just didn't do that. We just said, okay, hey, let's keep all of our forces inside, inside the patrol bases. Don't allow them to go patrol. Um, give everything over to the IA, and you know, you know, let basically them let them take over. When we could have did something like in Italy or Germany, where yeah, they are taking over, but we have a foothold there, right? So we could control the the patrols we can control the patrol bases we can control um equipment and training and all those things um to equip them to be better prepared for the inevitable right um and i just i guess we just didn't do that it just we just said okay we're leaving and we left and it's like all right they're like okay well you know similar like to afghanistan yeah all right, you're gone and we don't want to do this <laughs> so, yeah 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 the tools to do it um 
you know, so it's like, yes. And, and, and a lot of these wars, if you go in, you should already know that you're going to have to hold these people's hands because they've never done this before. And they definitely haven't done it in a way that we have. Uh, so yes, you're going to have to, you know, baby walk them to the point of where you want to be or you want them to be. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's like, you don't just go in, train them for a few years and then be like, okay, well, you're basically the United States military now. So you got a pretty good handle on this, right? <laughs> no. And, and they don't. <laughs> yeah. That's, what, <laughs> that's well, what I'm saying. That's like, that's crazy to think that that could be, that could be done in such a short period of time. Exactly. And I think that's just what, um, and I don't even think it was what our leadership thought that I think they ultimately knew that they wouldn't be able to stand up. It's just, I don't think that the American people were willing to invest the money. Um, and like I said, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think it's like any war from the beginning of time, you look back to Napoleon, what's the concept of war? It's a you know, it's to basically divide, conquer, take their, drain their resources, and then move on. Um, yeah. Right. So, like, you know, yeah, we did that to Iraq. Like, you know, we went, we conquered, we took whatever resources we wanted out of there, and now we're done. Um, you know, and and that's just the unfortunate truth. You know. Right. Yeah, I mean. I remember, you know, seeing that there was a, a period of time where Iraq wasn't wasn't that bad like you know it was after the surge and everything and and you know things were starting like businesses were starting to pop up again in baghdad and like a lot of things were going on and then the u.s left and everything yeah everything went to shit yeah i mean and i we always used to say that man you know some of these guys they act like they're the mob you know like with the extortion and you know you know like that's really i mean al-qaeda it's like to, to me it seemed like these guys are just trying to, you know, make a buck or they're, they're just trying to, you know, feed their family. Um, you know, yes, the, the ideology of the West is bad and death to America. Yes, that exists. And um, the Ayatollah and, you know, all the, you know, the ideology of ISIS, yes, still existed. But um, on face value, it really was just people just trying to provide for their family at any, at any means necessary. You know, if, if you look at uh, the Taliban, you know, they're pretty much set up like a criminal organization. Um, you know, they, they, they rule over their people in, a, in a, such a criminal organization manner where um, it's whatever they say goes, you know, you pay them. You, you know, get what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah. No, I understand. And, and that's really what, what really happened in Iraq was like, you know, once the businesses were up, you know, ISIS wanted A, B, C, and D from them. Um, make it so hard for them to to make money or to um, to to live and to feed their own family that they ended up having to close or um, you know engage in fighting. Right. Yeah. So I mean, let's like let's switch over to Afghanistan. I sure. know. Yeah. <laughs> that whole mess. I mean, Afghanistan is very hard to control, right? I mean, very mountainous, uh, very tribal. Um, yeah, I mean, we were there for 20 years. I mean, yeah, geez. And I mean, you know, the withdrawal was a shit show. Um, Um, yeah, it it was, it was done in way too short of a time period. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, cause you know, even, even I was just thinking, um, you know, I never deployed to combat, but I remember when we deployed to Germany, just getting all of our stuff, 
on the boat, um, you know, to, to over to the port in Belgium. It took months, like months. To, to get all our stuff. And that was just 603rd Aviation Battalion. <laughs> right. L- yeah, I can't imagine, like, man. yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine, like, trying to do that with, you know, all the, the fobs and, and, you know, all the combat outposts that we had in Afghanistan. It's impossible. So we left all this shit there. And now, you know, I see, I see almost daily, like, different pictures or videos of the Taliban with all this fucking high-speed gear. Yeah. <laughs> but all this shit that we left there. I mean, it fucking – it gets me so mad, dude. Yeah. The BFAs, like, we left BFAs there. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got yeah. BFAs and shit. I'm yeah, like, what BFAs, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, you, you, you know, logistically, I, I, I get what you're saying, yes, where it could have taken months. Um, but for just like, you know, weapon systems, uh, gear, I don't know if it would have been that much of a, a logistical nightmare. Um, and if it was and leaders thought that it was going to be, you know, especially at some of the special operation posts, controlled at that place. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if, you, if, if you're flying out, you know, hey, what, what, what's what's the sense? What's, you know, what's the extra cost to have? Well, you know what the extra cost is. It's a couple million dollars, but what's the extra cost to have an Apache or a, J, a JDAM sent down, right? I mean, right, um, right. you know, I, I mean, that's the way I would have done it, um, you know, or I would have at least thought it would have been done. Like, hey, we're not just going to leave um, equipment for the enemy. Um, so much equipment. Not so just much a equipment. little bit, dude. Like, yeah. like a lot of equipment. <clears throat> Like, I can't, yeah. I can't even fucking believe it. Like, you know, in the States, right, if one M4 goes missing, the whole base is shut down. Nobody's going anywhere. No one's doing anything. But right. in Afghanistan, you just leave thousands and thousands of fucking M4s. You know, just, just as one specific example. But, like, that's just insane to me. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and, and, and cash. Yeah, and know. cash. That's cash. right. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it's not like you, you left just whip, weapon systems. Like, you left cash. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, for them to essentially, you know, build themselves up and, and use that cash in what, however they want to. Again, listen, um, I'm no, I guess, Middle East expert, like, you know, some um, foreign Middle East expert on intelligence. You know, I think that would essentially take its own podcast. Um, but just from a person that was on the ground and understands how things are on the ground, um, you never want your enemy to be in a tactical, tactical advantage ever. Right. Um, and I think we did that. Like, you know, we put them in a tactical advantage, not just for, um, you know, as threat to national security, but really, uh, really goes to show you like how little we actually cared about the people that we were, quote unquote supposed to um uplift and to save right so like the afghan nationals uh, you know we obviously didn't really care too much about their safety because well we left that equipment for them not to get and for the enemy to get where they inevitably okay. will just use them against those 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 foreign nationals so um you know i, I think if i were uh, you know left behind um I think I would have or would have the 
the U.S. really doesn't really give too much craps about us. Um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 the problem is like, you know, how can you ever expect anyone in Afghanistan to like be your ally again or really, never the, the Middle East in general? Like, you know, they look at that and they're like, oh, what the fuck? Like the U.S. will just pick up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, and, 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 and listen, that was always something we knew, right? Like, yeah. you know, no, no one really thought. Uh, I look back at it now, like as a 35 year old, like, did we really like, I mean, yeah, American people thought like, but did the American people really think that we were going over there to liberate an entire country? I mean, did, did we really think that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and did the people there think that? Well, obviously not. Right. I mean, well, a, a large, a large majority of people, especially in Iraq, um, didn't feel that way. Right. Um, you know, almost thought that, you know, took the position that we invaded their country, but there was a large, you know, sediment of people that literally thought that we were going there to liberate them and to, and to help them and, and have a democracy similar to the United States, right? Like, you know, what better world, what better utopia than to have a democracy like, like the United States, you know, the Americans are here, the Americans are here to help us um, grow like Germany or Italy, right? Like the Americans are here. Um, when that couldn't have been the furthest from the truth, like we're there to liberate you, um, you know, we're here to do a fucking job and get the fuck out. Um, and what now, again, whatever that job is, is up to, up, up to speculation, but, um, that's, yeah, I think over the years it got yeah. kind of twisted up. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it started as, you know, um, you know, WMD. And then obviously, you know, the, the goalposts change, but um, especially for the guys on the ground, like that was my mission, right? My mission was to root out um, Islamic terrorists and to find weapons of mass destruction. Uh, whatever that looked like, um, you don't know, right? Because you're just a guy on the ground. You're just taking the orders. Um, so how well, you know, when you ask me, about certain things about how we executed Iraq and um, how Iraq was executed. I can only speak to how I think it was executed on the ground. Right. Um, and, and, and more specifically, how did I do my job as the guy on the ground? And that's how I kind of live my day-to-day um, duties as, as a special agent. I don't really look at you know, some people look at the bigger picture and there is a bigger picture. Um, but where do you fall into that bigger picture? And are you completing your mission as task within inside that bigger picture? Um, you know, that's really what you should be focusing on as a guy on the ground. Right, right. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And to be honest, I like to hear the stories about what's going on on the ground because you can hear the bigger picture all day, you know, from from the higher level officers, but what's going on on the ground is really, you know, what, what's actually fucking happening. So yeah, I like to hear, I like to hear that, that type of story all the time, all day. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting with Afghanistan because, you know, months, months and months, honestly, like a year before the withdrawal, we saw the writing on the wall. I mean, it was never, it was never reported in the mainstream news or anything, but the Taliban was slowly swallowing up a lot of rural areas and you know, it was never reported. No one was really talking about it. And the U S was kind of just like, Oh, well, it's fine. Like we have Kabul 
and, you know, whatever, this and that. But, you know, I would see almost daily, like, little little maps of Afghanistan and little places that the Taliban was slowly moving in, moving in. And I'm like, okay, why is, like, nobody paying attention to this? And, you know, the U.S. was like, okay, we're withdrawing. And I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I, I don't think, like, there wasn't significant, right? You know, we know about, like, like Benghazi, for example. Right. Um, you know, the signs were there. Months, you know, the, the intel was there. The reports were there. Um, you forget we have a whole intelligence community that is gathering intelligence. So, yeah, we knew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the signs were there and the intel reporting was there. Um, whether the American people knew that or not, that's up for debate. But um, the administration don't ever don't ever think that any one administration doesn't know what's going on because they absolutely do. Um, yeah, they got you know, analysts sitting there fucking chugging monsters all night. <laughs> yeah. Gathering <laughs> intel. intel on everything. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Like I said, it, it, you know, that's why I I take now everything with a grain of salt, especially, you know, like what's going on now in this country is because, you know, you know, once you get into the intelligence community or you're working and you start, you know, seeing some of these reports or these intelligence reports, um, you know, it's like, well, if we know all of this and the signs and the writings on the wall, how come the American people aren't, you know, clued into this or how come they're not you know you know that seems like the rest of the country is late like i've been saying you know to my wife like you know world war three is already here the u.s right. is just for whatever reason late to the party um and that could be a multi multi-faceted um explanation to the reasons of why um they are late to the party um it could be media it could be um not proper reporting like 9-11 right like nsa cia fbi these guys are all running their own operations and their own intel operations but they they're not really sharing that information um so then we have intelligence collaboration uh where we now share information with each other um but again there's still red tape even with information sharing um right of course you know, yeah you know, and, that, and that's that's like interagency, you know, so that so that there's still red tape between, you know, agencies like NSA, CSS or CIA or the D- Department of Defense. Um, well, how fast do you think that the information is getting pushed out to the public? Um, yeah, right. You know what I mean? So which I think it should be. I think it, there should be a specific unit um, that is tasked with giving that information to the public, especially within the environment that we live in today. Uh, when things happen, like spy balloons, people see a spy balloon, they say, what the fuck is that? Um, some people don't even know what it is. Um, right. You know, so, you know, just, just little reporting um, and a little understanding to the American people would go a long way on our readiness in current affairs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this would be, I guess this is a good time to jump into what's going on yeah. in Ukraine and Russia, man. I mean, yeah. dude, this war, this war is savage. People, I think people, you know, watching just, you know, their mainstream news day to day, they don't realize how savage this fucking war is. Like, you know, I, I, I see pictures and videos come out, you know, on Telegram and, and stuff on Twitter and, and 
dude, the, the that shit is crazy. Crazy. The war's I, only been going on for a year, and yeah. like the the number of people dead, the number of casualties, you know, people taken off the battlefield is insane. Insane. And and I tell you, and I'll tell you what, man. Um, I saw something the other day, you know, and um, it, it made me think of like my time in the military. You know, I saw Putin give that address, you know, when he was um, withdrawing from the weapons agreement right. or, or, or suspending it rather. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you saw the his speech. Did you catch who was in the front row? No, no, I didn't. So, so there was a, a gentleman in the front row. Um, I think he was wearing a sweatshirt and, and a ball cap, but he was a double amputee. Oh, and, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah he, was sit, this. he was sitting right in the front row. And uh, I got to tell you, man, you know, the amount of, you know, that, that sends a message around the world, right? Like, you know, there's people that are willing to not only lose their legs for this man, um, they're willing to die for their country um, at un- unprecedented levels of nationalism. You know, fast forward to 2004, um, 2003, you know, we had unprecedented, even 2001 after 9-11, like when the, when the firemen raised the American flag on, over the rubble, you know, that's unprecedented, unprecedented levels of nationalism. Where now you fast forward to 2023, you know, saying the Pledge of Allegiance in some schools is like prohibited. <laughs> oh yeah, no, right? So, is, so it's crazy. It's crazy, right? So, I mean, are we prepared? And I say to myself, are we prepared to go to war with, you know, a country that's willing to go to World War II style uh, nationalism? you know oh yeah dude people people here don't realize like we we we're so lucky because our neighbors are are friendly you know we don't ever really deal with any type of warfare like that domestically you know people aren't invading us ever people here don't realize everyone's so comfortable in their lives like the war is a savage uh, the the world is a savage place like dude and, and you know what? And honestly, dude, I, you know, I, I, and I'll switch that and by saying that, you know, what does an invasion look like? Right. I mean, the, I mean, you think about it and you say, hey, you know, we're not being invaded. But like, what does that look like modern day? Well, OK, so so OK, we can build on that. So an invasion, really, <laughs> they're kind of in a sense. There kind of is one going on right now. It's it's already happening, and I'll yeah. tell you the numbers. You know, yeah. ten. They say ten thousand. FBI reported it. Um, ten thousand Chinese nationals that are currently conducting espionage operations in the United States as we speak. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, there's about a hundred sleeper cell groups, Russian sleeper cell groups, in the continental United States as we speak right now. Yep. Um, that's not to mention, uh, you know, the southern border. Um, I think last month they said that they picked up uh, two individual or 12 individuals that were on the, the, the terrorism watch list. Um, and this happens every day. Right. You know, they, they pick up people that 
uh, are on the t- terrorism watch list. Oh, yeah. These reports come out every day. Just no one talks about it. Yeah, every day, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it's already happening. You know, they're already here. The, you yeah. know, the, the, the invasion as we, the modern day invasion has already happened. Um, you know, it's at what point does the American people say that it's enough, right? You know, is it, does it take, um, a lot of civilian casualties? Does it, does it take uh, a 9-11 style attack? Does it take... Um, well, a... that's, the, that's the problem is that I think because people don't see, you know, bombs going off and they don't see, you know, actual combat happening, that they think everything is, is you know, normal. Oh, okay, I'll wake up, go get my Starbucks, you know, whatever they do during the day. They're not thinking about these different sleeper cells that are in the United States. Like they don't think about that, but that's a serious issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's a serious threat. And, and, and not only that, but the war has changed in the fact of conventional. I mean, you think even since uh, I think the last conventional warfare we've had was Korea, you know, you know, green on, you know, green on blue. Right. So like, you know, Hey, you're wearing a uniform. I'm wearing a uniform. You're a bad guy. I'm going to shoot you. Right. So, right. um, that that's changed, right? So we've gotten guerrilla type warfare, Vietnam, um, to insurgent insurgencies like Afghanistan and Iraq, to where we are now, where it's all cyber. It's all a lot of it cyber, um, you know, uh, ransomware, spyware, um, you know, human intelligence. Where again, you know, how it works is if. Um, if you have an asset or intelligence asset on the ground and they can't infiltrate your, um, you know, if they can't infiltrate you through cyber, through your cyber, cyber threats, you know, what, then obviously what do they do? They go to the human source. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, what and is that? So <laughs> I've seen, seen situations where like they got these Chinese spies, these like super hot bombshells that like, cozy up to politicians and then you know they're just banging these these chinese girls and like these chinese girls are just collecting intel on them like that shit happens bro yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i mean it, it's it's actually happening um you know every day in the federal workforce um you have individuals who are either sharing intelligence or um you know doing some form of you know maybe taking pictures or um, stealing classified information, sharing that information, or um, developing a human source. Uh, McGoldrin was just arrested, right? So he's the um, the director of the counterintelligence program, right, for the FBI. Yeah, that's arrested. right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, that fucking so, guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and this guy, I think he ran the whole Russia investigation into the Trump organization. And and yes, he did. And it ended up he was colluding with Russia. Yeah. So, I mean, you got guys um, and girls in the federal government right now, um, you know, conducting counterintelligence operations or intelligence operations, foreign intelligence operations on the United States government as we speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And every what, day. And every, every day. Yeah, of course. Every day. And yeah. what that looks like is, you know however it looks like um to the american people i don't know how they perceive it um but you know like for people like us like i perceive it as a as a direct threat um and a a threat that we should really get ahead of instead of 
you know, talking about it, right? You know, we always have these, you know, you, you have these trainings like, hey, let's talk about domestic terrorism or, hey, this week's panel is going to be the cyber threat, um, you know, where we are in readiness in the cyber threat, whatever. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, what are these conversations, what are these panels really doing? Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of lip service in my eyes. Um, you know, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's get the agencies together. Let's get qualified individuals to really attack this threat. Um, let's hunt these guys down. If you say, if you say that there's a hundred um, sleeper cells out there, let's identify them. Yeah. Let's, let's um, fucking find these guys. Let's find these guys. Right. Yeah. Because you know, if this was Ukraine, um, they would be doing that. <laughs> you, know, uh, the, you know, their counterintelligence guys, you know, they, they, they rock fucking guns everywhere. Oh know? yeah. They're kicking indoors. They're kicking indoors. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas here it's like only a certain select few based out of Quantico or based out of Langley, based out of Fort Belovar, like those were our counterintelligence guys and that's where they are. Um, and who knows what they're doing? You know, like if you have a full force of investigators or agents that you can use at your disposal, why are you not using them? Right. Um, you know, and that, that's just my thought on it. Um, I don't really think we're aggressively attacking the situation because I think the American people don't really think that it's uh, in a situation that we really need to attack aggressively. Yeah. People don't, <laughs> people don't really realize like, you know, the, the agents on the ground, yeah, like that's serious too. But like, dude, the cyber threat is insane. insane. Like, people don't realize that. Okay, yeah, you know, there's cyber threats. They're not just gonna attack like military cyber. They're gonna attack like critical infrastructure. They're gonna mm-hmm. attack all these different industries in the U.S. And it's gonna affect your life at some point. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I don't know. I feel like as far as the cyber thing goes, like people here don't really either they don't think about it enough or or I don't know. I don't know what's going on, man. Because yeah, I I just think maybe they don't understand, right? Like you can't really, um, you know, like I try to tell my wife, like, you know, don't use the same password for every little thing, you know, like, you know, she uses the same password for her uh, banking information or her Pinterest account, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I have to go in there and manually switch up the the passwords and, and keep a, a, a password safe of passwords so that, you know, we're not uh, vulnerable to cyber threats. You oh, know? yeah. Well, dude, have you ever seen the software that hackers use to, to find out people's passwords? It's actually insane. I, I saw it used once. Um, this this cyber dude was like teaching me some stuff and he showed me it, this program called Jack the Ripper. And okay. What it does, it literally, dude, I, I, so I'm not a cyber guy. I don't know exactly, like, how it works, but it fucking basically, like, you, you pick your, who you're going to hack, and it right. spits out, like, their birthday, their this, their that. It spits out a bunch of different things about them and possible passwords that they use. Oh, like, okay, okay, like okay. dude, like a list of, like, hundreds of different, of different passwords that they could use. Oh, and, wow. And yeah, bro, and a lot of times, it's easy. They'll, they'll figure it out. Like, right, right, right. Yeah, bro, it's a whole program that they use. It's crazy. Jack the I, Ripper. That's a, that's a, that's a that's a pretty. I, that is crazy. I didn't. Yeah, bro, that. and that's that's just something simple that like hackers use, you know, to like steal your fucking whatever, like your bank information. Imagine what what China's funding 
You know what I mean? Yes. Imagine what they're what they're funding those hacker groups and uh, to fucking do to f- figure shit out. Like, yeah, bro. I, I'm not a cyber guy by any means. I don't want anyone to think I'm a cyber guy, but like this cyber guy was showing me this program, and I was I was like, holy shit, I got to go change all my passwords right now. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I I usually try to like I said, I, I usually try to stay away from. Um, you know, the typical using, you know, dates of birth, uh, things like that, or, you know, uh, that, yeah, yeah I, I say, I, I, I typically try to stay away from like dates of birth or personal information and then putting that personal information as a, as a password or, you know, creating a, a password that's personable in, in that way. Um, it should just be like random, right? Like numbers, letters, and, you know, totally random, you know, whatever it is. And then, you you know, find a place where you can write that password down. And, that, and that's how I use my systems now. Um, you know, I think, I think I have like six or seven systems that I have to update the, you know, the password. Um, yeah. And when I update those passwords, like I just pick like a random series of whatever and I write it down. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I put it in a, in a safe and that's, that's where it goes. Yeah. No, that's, that's the best way to do it because that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Because they can figure out, man, they can figure out your birthday. They can figure out everything. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's how a lot of people do it. Like they'll do it on their birthday or like yeah, something yeah, yeah. special to them. They use their name yeah. sometimes. I'm like, what yep. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Their, their kids, their kid's birthday, or yeah. their dog, their dog's name plus yep. their last plus the last four of their social. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. But. Crazy. So, yeah, I wanted to, obviously I want to jump into like more about Russia and Ukraine and like, mm-hmm. because <laughs> people, I think a lot of people are kind of just like blindly okay with the fact that we've already spent more money in Ukraine than like most of the war in Afghanistan no, I think it is the entire war in Afghanistan at this point. Uh, I think we're at 46. Um, I think the, the war in Ukraine was – or sorry, the war in Afghanistan was $43 billion. I think yeah. I, I saw that. It was $43 billion. Um, Yeah, I think uh, I, I think I posted that Statista um, yes. page. Yeah, and, uh, and on the second part of it, did you see that – like? So we give forty six billion. The next right. highest, I think, is the UK with like five. Okay, five. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think Germany was like point like five six. I think I saw Dude, it was like un yeah. fucking believable, yeah. bro. Yeah, couple million. Unbelievable. <laughs> right. It's it's actually crazy. Uh-huh. Well, because because you know they feed you this shit. They're like, oh, it's NATO strengthening because of this war. I'm like. What are you talking about? I'm like the U.S. is spending all the money. <laughs> yeah, they're they're financing uh, this entire war. Yeah, and like I said, I mean maybe it's a uh, a funnel. You know what I mean? Like I look at that stuff and I'm like, hey man, you're spending all this money. It's like, you know, are you laundering this money? You know, like where we don't have an OIG over there, so we don't. Uh, I think just recently I saw my networks. Um, the DoD just went over there um dod uh, dcis which you know which is the dod office inspector general um i think they went over there to kind of talk about um you know setting up uh you know some type of audit program or something um 
Oh yeah, I think I saw an article about that. Yeah, they, yeah. They were gonna they were gonna send over some some like uh yeah some watchdogs or whatever. They were yeah. gonna go over there and and try to audit everything. Yeah, or or, or to the best of their ability. I yeah. think that should have been done. Um, you know, uh, essentially a long time ago. It like from been, from the jump? Like from the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. <laughs> Um, so that but, like javelins and stingers don't end up on the black market. <laughs> yep. And, and we're, we're just now getting into that. Um, you know, so how well that's going to play out. Um, I don't know, but I can tell you that whatever we spent over there, there's obviously a significant amount of loss. Um, because we're not seeing the, the risk to reward value out of it right as an americans and i'm just speaking as a as a just an american someone that doesn't really know too much of the intel or um just has an open mind to the situation on the ground over there you know what's the what's the reward for us you know you're spending all this money over there you know um aside from what we see from our media where they say you know russia's taking heavy losses blah 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 no, so is Ukraine. Hear, yes, so is Ukraine. But we never hear that. <laughs> but we never hear that part. We always hear what the Russians are taking, what 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 you know, what impacts happening on the ground as it relates to Russia. We never really hear um, what's happening on the Ukrainian front. Right. Uh, I think up until I think either today or yesterday, um, Zelensky said that if we lose, so I mean, if that's a you know that that type of language is totally different from um, a year ago when it was like, we will never lose, um, you know, and that the Russians will lose, right? So that tone has totally changed from, you know, six months, right? Uh, so it's like, okay, well, where is our money going? Is it benefiting them? Or is it just being blown up, right? Or is it just being, you know, like- well, a, lot of it, a lot of it's definitely being blown up. Hundred percent, because the Russians are a, a very artillery-heavy military, so they've just been fucking, you know, smashing the Ukrainians. I mean, fuck, dude, the videos yeah. I see and and you know, oh god, it's insane. I know, and it's hard to watch, right? Because like I see it, and it's like, man, you know, it's like, and you know, it really tells you like the will, right? Like, you know, the will of the people. And a lot of people are saying, like, you know, the Ukrainians are strong and they're strong minded. And I don't doubt that. Um, but, you know, this you're talking only a year of a war where if you look at like the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, you know, you were there 20 years, you know, greater part of 10 years. You know, you sell that same veteran that was in war now in Ukraine, that same Ukrainian soldier, is he going back for a second deployment? Is he going back for a second and third deployment? Um, you know, we don't talk about that. It's like, yeah, we always talk about like what it means strategically and what Zelensky's doing and what his strategic command is doing. But no, nah, forget that. What's the what's the guy on the ground saying? What's the guy that's sitting in the bunker saying? You know, like is he does he have the mental capacity to do this again and again and again um or is it going to get to a point where like yesterday Zelensky said um right he kind of hinted at 
um, injecting some U.S. troops. Yeah, he did. Right. He said he said something about like sending your sons and daughters to, yeah, to battle. Right. I was like, right. whoa, 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 whoa! This right? like this war is escalating. Like people. People don't remember, like, at the beginning of the war, it was like, okay, we're going to give Ukraine stuff to defend themselves. Exactly. And now it's like we're, we're going to give them stuff to, like, actually hit targets in Russia. Right. You know and, what I mean? And not only hit targets in Russia, but, like, try to take down the Russian government. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, you know, they made that, that crazy statement the other day. Like, you know, um, I think I don't know what Congress person said it or, but they said um, in order for the Ukraine to win, it means a total annihilation of the Russian government. Like, excuse me. Um, yeah, I, that's an that's, insane thing to say. Like, it's like insane. Like, yeah, that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like what? It like really? Does that? Well, really because not even just that. Like, people don't really think about it like this. But you do not want an unstable Russia. No, you do not want an unstable Russia. Let's say like you did like, you know, take out Putin or whatever. Then you've got a fucking power vacuum of a fucking nuclear armed country. Nah, no, man. Got, first of all, <laughs> if you take out if you take out Putin, right, um, he's got henchmen and guys that are just as lethal and deadly as he is. Oh, I mean, yeah. people, p- people forget like, you know, Putin's bred from the counterintelligence world of, you know, Hey, you know, you know, we say don't ask, don't tell, like their don't ask, don't tell means a totally different thing. Right. You know, it's like, hey, your reporter, you reported something bad on Putin. And, you know, a week later, the guy's missing. Right. 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 He fell um, out of a window. (laughs) Yeah, he fell out of a window. You know, like their their operations and how those guys are bred over there is totally different. Um, so yeah, if you, if, if they're like weeds, right. So you've knocked down one weed, another weed's going to pop up. Um, and that weed may be a little bit more deadlier and a little bit more insane, a little bit more crazier. Um, we say, we say, oh, you know, Hey, let's give up Rick Victor bout, you know, for this, you know, basketball star. Okay. Um, well, I don't think people understand who he was, who is he now? You know, uh, I think after he went into Russia, um, I don't think anyone's ever really done the, the the cost analysis of what that actually did to us and what is it doing right now in Russia, right? What is he doing? People, a lot of people don't know that he's the director of operations for uh, the Wagner Group. For Wagner Group at St. Petersburg, yep. Right. So um, what advances have they made since he literally got out? Um, you know, you could you could actually date back the – the advances that the that the group has made um and to me it's literally right around the time he got out um yeah, yeah. you know with the recruiting tactics you know dude wagner you know, has been smashing bakhmut smashing it dude smashing bakhmut and and like i'm glad you brought that up because um you know, in the United States, people don't really think about this, but like they don't play by the fucking rules. Like Wagner is a PMC; they're a private military company, and they recruit 100%. from the prisons. So yeah. they're just throwing waves and waves of these prisoners at the Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians right. are like, "Oh, we're killing all these dudes," but it's like, yeah, they want you to, so that yeah. they can send in their fucking soldiers right. to fucking take the city. Right, and I think that actually did happen. I think. uh Part of that bank that the that the group took over 
the Russians paratroop those soldiers in to take over that that city. Correct, I think. I read. Yeah, yeah, they switched them out with the par- the paratroopers. The paratroopers, That's right? That's what they're uh, fucking doing. Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, we're they're like Wagner's taking all these casualties. I'm like, yeah, that was their fucking plan. <laughs> and that, that is going to be the continuing plan, and I think it's actually yeah. working. Um, I, I was even reading some reports that a lot of those guys are all fucking drugged up. Um, yeah, they fucking do. They drug them, them up on like shitty meth. Yeah, shitty meth. Yeah, and you know, rape and pillage, right? Um, yeah. You know, and, that, and like I said, that works, and that's been working. And you know, I always think like, you know, I'm not just like an optimistic person. Like, where did they get those tactics from, right? Like, yes, sure, they've they've have um, the State Department has said you know that they've been involved in a lot of different wars, and there's been a lot of uh, human atrocities that they've committed. Um, but like I said, I haven't seen much of these recruiting tactics pretty much ever from any, anyone. Um, so where are they getting these tactics from where, you know, who's on the ground actually giving the orders? That's what I, that's what I'm concerned about. Right. Um, You know, so I, I think for the American people, you know, especially just like, you know, guys like, just like you and me, right. Like people just like, um, have just as much, um, you know, information at their fingertips as the next person. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a person. I'm not like a, a senior special agent. Uh, I'm not like an ES level agent in, you know, you know, some high up ranking position that, you know, gets his intel fed to him every morning. Right? I'm literally the guy on the ground. Um, for people like us, information is so easy to get. Yeah, definitely. And not only that, but, you know, we have to live in a society or in a world where you're not just taking information on face value, right? So um, the rule of thumb is if you see an article and you read something in the newspaper or you read something online, try to find the balance or try to find the difference of opinion. Yep, exactly. Literally, you know, whatever you're reading, whatever you are, are, are hearing about, find a, a similar article where there's a difference in opinion. Yep. If you can, if you can find that and read both articles and you have an open mind, then and only then will you be able to draw an accurate conclusion on what's actually happening. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of the Americans today, just due to culture and due to, um, you know, a lot of different factors, I think a lot of people get their news from Twitter or they get their news from Instagram um, and they don't really know what's happening. Um, and I think someone said to me the other day, they say, you know, man, I can't understand why people would want to um, continue living like they are living right now, right? And continue to, and I want to be very careful, uh, vote the way they do, not for any particular party, but, um, you know, if, if things are bad right now for you, how much worse do they have to be for the American people to kind of wake up, right? Right, right. Um, 
I think, you know, as far as that goes, you know, people, a lot of people in this country don't really realize like how lucky they are to live in a country where they can, where they're even able to have an opinion like that. Right. Um, (laughs) And and it's, and it's, it's, it's actually really sad, man, because um, that's not really what, you know, that's not what like my dad, like how my for his, my grandfather or his father, right? You know, these are, you know, these are people that lived in times or like World War II guys, Korean War guys. They only had the information that was provided to them or what they saw on the ground, right? Because, or what they read in the newspaper. Um, we have information at our fingertips and we don't even use it. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, we have the, you know, the whole entire internet and we don't even use it. I remember when my, my grandfather first got the internet, it was like, um, you know, like Pandora's box. Um, and we have it at our fingertips and we don't even use it, you know, and it just goes to show you where we are as a society, where we are as a country. And I think our foreign adversaries see that and they see that weakness. Um, I think, um, I don't know what the Russian gentleman's name is, but he said it takes 30 years to demoralize a country. Um, and it's true. And I think we are at that point. I think we are at that stage. I think between um, our social media, between our culture, dance culture, pop culture, um, woke coach culture, um, I think we've just been desensitized to a lot of things. And we kind of just shut off our, our, our frontal lobe cortex or something um, where we just don't want to we just don't think about it. You know, we go about our day and just, that's just what it is. We go to work and, or we don't go to work or we play video games or we do this or we do that. And, you know, there's a whole other world of people that really don't like the way we live um, and would want nothing more than to destroy us. And, right. and, I, and I think they're pretty close at doing that. Um, and that's just my take on it. I, you know, I, I think, uh, especially what's going on with China, and the alignment between China and Russia currently. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's been building for a while, and and China might start arming Russia. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> if they aren't already, right? Because right, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, like with the drones and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I read a few months ago that China told its citizens, um, and the draft. I think that they were looking to start drafting people for the Taiwan. Uh, war 2025. I read an article yesterday from the DOD and um, we are, there's going to be, I don't know if you heard this, but a new fleet. It's going to be a new fleet, uh, a drone fleet um, that's going to be deployed out in the, on the, the South China Sea. Um, the commission date is when? When do you think the commission date is going to be? 2025. Yeah, right? So, um, <laughs> right, so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be like, hmm, that's, that's weird. You know, Xi Jinping tells his citizens to prepared for war in 2025, and we are effectively getting prepared for war in 2025. Um, you know, so, you know, the writing's on the wall. So if that is the case, and like uh, Zelensky said the other day, hey, if I think he said this a week ago, that if China and Russia align themselves, that that would be effectively the start of World War Three. Right. The, ir- the ironic part of that about that is, well, a week before, prior to him saying that, 
China and Russia had already aligned. They said that they will protect each other's natural in, uh, uh, national interests. So, right? Are we in World War Three? Right by that definition, if he said that. Um, yeah, I mean, and then you got Iran hanging out there. That's yeah, been, and 12, they sent and, Russia drones already. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah. today, today, I think it just was released that in twelve days they'll be able to start um, enriching their. Um, nuclear warheads or being able to, to build their nuclear to make warheads. one yeah yeah i saw that today um yeah it said in, like within 12 days they can make a nuclear warhead or something like that yep yep um, that's, that's that's in 12 days right so yeah and it's funny with those reports they always release them they're like a senior u.s department official like who <laughs> they know ne- yeah they never say like who, who said it <laughs> yeah who's the source right yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, but man. no, but they've been they've been enriching their uranium. You know, they're extremely close. I mean, if they want to, they can. And and you know, it's funny too because the U.S. had said, I think it was either last week or the week before. They're like, they pretty much told Israel, they're like, hey, you can pretty much do whatever you want to to make sure that Iran doesn't get a nuclear weapon. So, I mean, what is that going to turn into? You right, know? but 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 again, that is like, you know, if I'm Israel. I'm thinking if I'm Netanyahu, it's like, wait a minute, what? Excuse me? Weren't you supposed to be making the deal with them to make sure that that, that doesn't happen? Right. So you, yeah, so you're exactly. Gonna, so you, so you're going to give me two weeks notice of basically saying like, hey, do whatever you can to make sure that they don't fucking blow your fucking country to smithereens. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, thanks. <laughs> Thanks, right? Like, what, like, weren't you supposed to be working that out? <laughs> uh, you know, so again, and that's what happens when um, you can see a colossal breakdown in government um, where people, it was always, hey, we'll take the lead, we'll take the lead, we'll take the lead. And then, oh, shit, well, we don't have the wheel anymore um, because everyone's just basically running on our shit. And now is basically every man for himself. Right. right? Instead of saying, hey, listen, we've tried. We tried to, to come to the table with them. They're not listening. Let's, let's bounce off some ideas on what we can do to mitigate the situation. That, to me, as a country would say, yes, okay, well, they're still in the fight. They're still looking to help us in any way possible to make sure that this doesn't happen. Not like, hey, shit, well, we don't know what to fucking do or we're abandoning this idea, so now it's on you. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Um, You know, and even the whole thing with Saudi Arabia, it's like, hey, you know, um, I think the talks with Saudi Arabia went horrible. Um, And right after that, what happened? Nord Stream, whatever, gets blown up, right? So, uh, you know, the prince laughs in our guy's face and basically does a backroom deal with Russia. So it's like, all right, well, this guy's making billions of dollars. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, those guys don't give a fuck, dude. They don't give a fuck. They don't uh, give a fuck. You There's know? no honor amongst thieves, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, and we should be doing the same. You know, we should, you know, this type of warfare uh, is unique in the fact that you got to be, like, really, really bold. You got to do things that are really, really bold. Dude, you and- got to have fucking balls. Balls. Like- these fucking bro, you know, just to go back to what you were saying earlier, like I, I'm kind of nervous too because this this generation of kids, like, dude, they're they're not ready for a conventional war, 
And, yeah. and like, dude, no, you know, in reality, no one's really ready for a conventional style war because that shit is going to suck. Whenever it fucking does actually pop off, that shit sucks. You know right. what I mean? And but I don't, like, but it's I, like to, to go into it with a divided country is even worse. Yeah. And I, and honestly, I don't even think, um, they intend on doing that. I mean, we'll see, right? Like Xi Jinping is, um, I think he bumped up his, I think the initial reports right when the Ukraine war started and, um, you know, China started doing their shit, flexing on Taiwan. I I think we estimated like maybe 2030, um, you know, they would invade or, or, or or close to 2030. Um, But that just got bumped up like in two years. Right. So um it's like you know 2025 like what like yeah i mean so as far as like with china i don't i kind of have mixed feelings about like a conventional war with china because in my last podcast i talked to uh sino talk he's a china expert yeah he kind of like he kind of explained it to me in a way that i was like okay i think we're a little farther off from a, a direct conflict with china than than people think i'm my my concern more is with like Iran and Russia. I do know that China is definitely a huge threat. Um, however, I do also know that that Xi Jinping tries to be very strategic in what he does, and you know apparently you know apparently the the PLA army isn't quite ready to like conduct an operation to to basically invade Taiwan. Right. Um, I don't know, you know, by 2025, I don't think they'll be ready by 2025. Um, and, and, um, and just to, just to go, you know, strategically on that, you know, uh, I do think they are and will be ready because here's the deal. Um, China is seeing how things are playing out in Russia, right? So the conventional warfare, yeah, I don't think, um, a conventional warfare would be likely, uh, but I do think what worked and what has always worked, um, is shock and awe, you know, yeah, you that's at, true. That's you, true. You look, you look at, um, the Iraq invasion and shock and awe campaign, um, that worked like within like a week. Um, so I think it would be a multitude of something like that if he were to do it. And I think he could pull it off. You know, it's, it's. Um, cruise missiles, it's EMPs, it's um, whatever I have, I'm throwing at you, and then I'm going to paratroop my guys in um, and completely obliterate you, tanks in, right? So it's not going to be like a, a slow walk, like almost like what Putin is doing right now. It's like, hey, you know what? I want these guys, but I'm going to hold off on sending these guys, or, um, you know, let's hold off on sending the Serbs because we. Uh, want to hold them off for this part of the, you know, this region, you, you know, it's not going to be right. Like that. Right. Right. It's, it's going to be, Hey, send everything we got, um, punch them square in the face, overwhelm them, overpower them. And yeah, I think they could do it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I think they have the ability to do that. I think they have the technology to do that. Um, and I yeah, don't they think... definitely have more ability than Russia, I'd say. Like they, they've got a way bigger military and way better technology than Russia does. Right. And, and like I said, I, and I don't think, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that um, the United States isn't going to come through in the way that we've came through for Ukraine. 
it would be extremely hard also because, you know, Taiwan, little island out there, how are you going to get all that, the weapons and equipment on the island? You know, I've always right. thought that because I'm like, okay, you know, we'd send all this stuff to Ukraine. Well, Ukraine's right there, you know, <laughs> right, right in Europe. You could just, you know, use your supply lines and get, get all the stuff to the front lines. If you're bringing stuff to Taiwan, that's a much more difficult task. A hundred percent. But you know how yeah. you could do it, right? Um, you could spend the next two years doing it. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 You're right. right? Which, I, I yeah, mean, I, okay. I, yeah. I mean, if if that is something that you know, all the intel reports are are going that in that direction, um, start arming them now. Start you know doing you know, hey, listen, start the tubes. Hey, right. you, you know, you you got someone coming up on the China Street and they're crossing that that imaginary border. Fuck it, send a B two. Yeah. Right? right, show a force. Right. Right? Yeah. show a force, or, or or at least um have like let them have access or start doing some some missions out there but they're not doing that um and i just think that china knows that we're not going to do that um you know you send a spy balloon into our country in our airspace and you let it basically um you know traverse for however many thousands of miles um i think china has a pretty good understanding that well at least um they know what they can do if they wanted to send, let's say, an EMP or, um, you know, a low-flying EMP. Into yeah, I, I had heard that that was, like, definitely a possibility since, you know, we, the spy balloon was basically in the air for fucking a long time. Right, and, and yeah. fucking covered thousands of miles. You know, an EMP, yeah. an EMP doesn't have to be, like, an intercontinental um I mean, it could be, it could be, and, you know, you could knock out the grid, um, I think, in the whole United States, but, like, a, like a, I think a, a low-flying EMP at, like, that altitude, uh, you could take out a, basically a state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or two or three states. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So, which would be, which would be horribly tactically for us, um, and I, I think, honestly, that's China's I think that's where they're going. I think that's what something that they would want to do here in the United States is basically um, drop an EMP on us, uh, have us fight over food and water and, you know, basically go into civil war. It's already, you know, it's already tense as it is now. Um, you know, I, I don't see, you know, the country uniting over something like that. Um, and then you just come and you pick up the pieces after. Right, right. Yeah, I guess I, ne- I, guess I never really looked at it from that perspective like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, you, you'll still have the, the farms, you'll still have, um, you know, you'll still have everything here. It's just, you know, you would just start it from scratch or you would have guys here. That's why the Chinese nationals are buying up farms now in the United States, right? So, um, what yeah, does that mean? I, I was reading something about that. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, why? Like, yeah, right. like, wh- yeah, like, what's going on with that? You probably know more than me. I, I kind of glanced over something. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. The Chinese right. are buying up farmland in the U.S.? Yeah, right, because it makes, it makes sense. It, it does. It's like, hey, how do you survive um, 
How do you survive in an environment where um, there's no food or water? Right. You need to get your own food and water. Right. Um, You know, and that's, again, essentially, you know, you look at these uh, end of the world type scenarios and, you know, that's where you'd want to go. That's where, I mean, that's where I would want to be. I'd want to be on a farm um, and have access to creek land or creek beds and, um, you know, have access to uh, farm life, eggs, chicken, livestock, right? Yeah, Um, Yeah, definitely. That's, I think, would be critical infrastructure when there is no critical infrastructure. Um, And that's what I think when I see that. I think, you know, that's why I'm pointing more towards the EMP because um, that's not really critical infrastructure now. Like a farm isn't really um, critical. It is, it's part of a critical infrastructure, but uh, in this day and age with technology, uh, is that really critical infrastructure? Well, the Chinese seem to believe so. Um, yeah, yeah. And the question, and the question will always remain, or at least for the current time, is why? Why do they feel that that's critical infrastructure, and why do they feel the need to buy it all up? Yeah, that's. I know. I I had glanced over something once, and I was like, I was like, wait, <laughs> they're doing yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, and and to yeah, me, man. it just. It just screams like, okay, well, if God forbid, we, you know, because, dude, you know, if you look at the, I think I saw something on National Geographic, like, there's a, there's something on National Geographic, like, what if there was a, um, uh, I don't know if it was like a power outage, like a worldwide power, it's basically an EMP, right? Like, if an EMP were to happen, and our electrical grid was knocked out, um, I think it said it would take like, you know, 48 to 72 hours before people start looting, um, right? And then looting turns into um, a dire for supplies. Um, and then that turns into a dire need for food and water. And, and ultimately that just turns into a lot of um, scrambling between government and civilian population. Um, government trying to control the situation while civilian population uh, panicking, right? Like the whole... Oh, yeah. Uh, in the middle of the sea, drowning, you know, uh, you know, kicking, flailing, uh, you know, not wanting to drown type scenario. So, like, we've seen, like, little mini, almost, like, examples of this. Do, do you remember, um, were you living on Long Island for Hurricane Sandy? Yeah, of course. I, so, I worked. I remember, Parker. like, people were, like, shooting each other at the gas stations like yes. go, fucking going crazy and that was yeah. only that was only just not having power for like what two weeks maybe at two the weeks. most two weeks yeah, yeah and and, weeks. and that wasn't even like every because some people on long island had power some didn't that was right. only in like a little town like wouldn't have power for like a week and people were just killing each other to get gasoline I mean, yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think in I think in Comac they had the state troopers parked there because people were shooting each other. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy. Like it's so crazy how quickly things break down when people mm-hmm. can't like fucking go to Starbucks and get their favorite coffee. You know what I'm saying? Like it's so right, crazy. And, and that's and that's demoralization. You understand? Like that is where we are as a country, right? Because yeah. no one has those skills. You know, you talk about skills, like hunting skills i think i can count on my hand how many individuals i know who like to hunt or who do go hunting right um, 
or, or, or at least know how to process game. Um, like my wife wouldn't know how to do that. Um, you know, I think most of the people in my family wouldn't know how to do that. Right. So yeah. how do you survive? Right. Right. Um, you know, those are all things that I think, um, you know, China knows. And I think it would honestly be the best bet for them is basically just, you know, continue the psychological warfare, continue the, the demoralization warfare and let them kill each other. And then we will have control over uh, critical infrastructure for when we want to rebuild, you know, mm. um, and that's essentially what would happen, um, you know, and we would be a totally incapable country at that point. Um, I mean, if you if you look at it from the Chinese perspective, that would be the smartest way to do it. Just let yeah. it let it let us implode from the inside. Right. No flights. They don't, out. They don't have to. Yeah. They don't got to send anyone over here. They don't got to send no. shit. No. <laughs> Just let us implode. You yeah. know, and let us let let them, you know, you could already tell, um, you know, we the murder rate in the United States is higher than anywhere else in the world. Right. So um, they see all the same statistics that we see as Americans. Um, and I think that would be we're already currently at a point now, at, you know, as far as a civil war between, you know, other people. And, and I don't mean like a civil war, like, um, you know, like an actual like you know fighting types of a war but just in just ideologies like you know there's such polar opposites of people um that have total polar opposites of opinions um that they literally cannot come to a mutual agreement like literally no i agree um, yeah yeah you you can tell like they're <laughs> they're already like planting the seeds man like it, it's already like you know the how divided the country is it would be so easy to just I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I look at it like even um, when the Iraq, before the Iraq war happened, you know, uh, George W. Bush went out there pretty much every day and just kind of planted that seed, right? He was like, you know, WMD, WMD, WMD. He was saying it every day. I mean, you know, you could look at it. He was just planting that seed, planting that seed. And then when he went to Congress and planted that seed and, and they eventually voted for it, right? So, when I hear people planting the World War Three seed, um, it's you're you are preparing the country for the inevitable. Right. Like, like that doesn't go away. Like you don't just say that, and then it's like, oh, you know, whatever happened to that World War Three thing, right? It, you know, everyone kind of remember um the 2k or the y2k right y2k yeah i remember that shit like remember y2k right like yeah but but you have thinking about it 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 was only like something between um you know not a conspiracy theory but like someone suggested it and someone that's what i think a conspiracy theory is right someone made a bold suggestion or an opinion and it just like telephone went around to different people you know, yeah. you, you, had, you had no one of real power or influence talking about it. Um, right, right. Unlike this, where you have people with, you know, significant amounts of power and influence reiterating something that to me would seem very far-fetched, like World War Three, like that doesn't sound, um, 
you know, to the most American people, like, do, do they look at that and say, you know, is that, is that something real? You know, that doesn't feel real. Um, but it's, there, there's a reason why they're telling you this. They're telling you this because they're preparing you for, I think, the inevitable. Right. And, and I, I think it's important to also, like, you know, I'm going to kind of backtrack for a second on this, but, like, people need to kind of realize also that we're giving all this equipment and all this money to Ukraine before any of this happened. Ukraine was known as one of the most corrupt countries in the world. And they still are. And they still are. <laughs> but right. and, and what people don't think about is like, what if all of a sudden there was a coup in Mexico and a pro-Russian government took over Mexico and now they're putting nukes at the border? Or they're, they're, they're putting, you know, like Russian equipment at the border. Right. And they're swallowing up all these different countries. Like what if they, you know, pro-Russian government in Canada? What do you think the U.S. would do? Right. Well, well, at this point, I don't think the U.S. would do anything because I think Australia has already reported that they have seen significant um, uh, amounts of espionage related to Russian op- uh, intelligence operations in, in, in Australia. And the U.S. isn't doing a thing about it. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I, you know. Yes, a long time ago, I would have said, yeah, that my answer would have been, we would have jumped all over that, right? We would have collaborated or we would have gone over and to try to intervene. But today, I don't really think that is the, for whatever the reason is, I don't know. Um, But we seem to be only wanting to interject into things that benefit only the top elites. Um and not everyone else, right? Because right, what, does, right. what, what does the American public benefit from this, you know, imaginary war in Ukraine? Nothing. We well, yeah, nothing. That, that's, that's literally like what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we're giving all this stuff to a country that even, you know, at all sides of the aisle, you know, you can even look to like 2017, 2018, 2019 articles about Ukraine being corrupt. Right. They're they're there. It's not like hidden or something. It's all open information, but nobody looks at that. And it's right. like you know we're we're sending all this money and equipment there. It's like, you know, okay, yeah, a lot of it's going to the front lines, but where is all of it going? And who are we giving this stuff to? Uh, you know? Those th- those questions will not ever be asked. Uh, not not as long as. We fly the Ukrainian flag, United States, not as long as we are willing to um, be in this war for the long run, Um, you know, and and until the American people stand up and say, no, take that Ukrainian flag down. Like, I'm not um, an American, right? Like, how does this protect our interests? It doesn't, right? Yeah. and, you know, like, obviously, you and I, we, I feel bad for the, the innocent Ukrainians getting invaded. Like, nobody wants to see that. It sucks. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. But, dude, <laughs> you know, you, you could even, you know, you say that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you could feel bad, right? Yeah, okay. Um, again, not to sound insensitive, but... Um, our job or my job is to protect national security, right? Um, I took an oath. You took an oath to, pro- to protect the United States 
from both foreign and domestic extremism, right? So um, I, I'm I'm not on the wave of, you know, fine, yes, as a human being, yes, there's many atrocities going on all, all around the world, right? There's hundreds of atrocities that happen every single day in countries like Somalia or uh, parts of Africa that no one talks about. Oh, yeah, about. we haven't even talked about Africa. Right, we don't even talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, how Al-Shabaab is basically doing whatever the fuck they want in, in, in Africa. Um, we don't talk about that. That That's like kind of almost like a non-existent conversation. Um, so, yeah, you know, they're not NATO. So if you want to, you know, go by, the, by what's on the books, technically, I really only care of what happens or what goes on with NATO countries, because that's the agreement that we have. It's just like a law, right? We have an agreement or there's a law in place. You respect the rule of law. Um, Ukraine is not a NATO country, um, you know, so I don't understand why we had to show sympathy to them when we didn't show sympathy to them in 2014 or, right. or, any, or any other time when, when they had their little spout with Russia. Um, so, yes, it's, it's new now because you have um, – theater involved right um it's a it's a it's a show everything's now is a show um you know Zelensky is good at the whole theater thing quite literally um you know so he's good at you know making people or uh, compelling people to feel bad for him and his country even though um we all know where he is, right? He, he's not in Kiev. He's not chilling in Kiev. Um, you know, again, like I said, um, I, I just think that America needs to wake up to the fact that, you know, we can't be everyone's superhero without right. being our own superhero first. And the moment you start depleting our resources or giving away our armor to be the superhero, right? Like you would never hear um, Batman giving up his utility belt. <laughs> why would he, right? Like, right. He's, like, why would he do that? Right. Um, everyone depends on him to be the superhero. So like, why would he just give away his utility belt? Um, but that's what, effectively what we're doing. We're, we're depleting our resources to defend ourselves for someone else. And their fight to defend themselves, themselves. Um, I just, to me, doesn't seem like the right course of action. And no one's going to wake up to that fact until it's, I think, too late. Um, and we're fully entrenched into their ground war, or we start, you know, recruiting or sending guys over to fight their war. Um, you know, this isn't World War Two. You know, I don't think people are going to say, um, oh, yes, the Americans came and won the war. Um, first of all, World War Two and the sentiment back then with the it was a totally different breed of individuals. You know, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, how those guys grew up, you know, trying to join the war at 14. Like we don't have that. <laughs> you know, oh yeah look at the recruitment numbers yeah like we, we don't have that same sentiment that they had 
1942, right? So um, I don't see how that happens. I don't see how um, you can convince the American public of this war being necessary once you start sending back people without legs or in a casket for a war that is really so detached from us. Um, right. You know, so and, and again. The thing about it too is like, you know, as far as Russia and Ukraine, people don't even really understand the history and the culture there. I mean, like, there's so much more going on with that than than anybody here really understands. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. just like, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, we we throw all this money and equipment into something that, you know, people, the majority of the population don't, doesn't really have a true grasp on. And you know, you can you can look at the casualty rates on both sides, but to me. You know, I don't think Russia gives a fuck about their casualty rates, dude. They got so many fucking people that they can keep conscripting and keep sending into the fight. Putin's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Let's say 100,000 people are off the battlefield. Okay, we have like millions of more people that I can send to the front lines. Right. And and I think even now, you know, like with Zelensky, I've been really analyzing what he said yesterday. Like, you know, hey, if we lose – what's to stop him from going to the other Baltic countries? And it's like, well, a lot, right? Because he doesn't need to. Um, I think they're already um, preparing for that, the Baltic countries, right? I mean, if right. You even look at Germany, like, I think they pretty much are like saying, like, ah, I don't really care what happens to you because financially we need Russia. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, here's, here's like three or four million dollars. Do it, do it with your will. But um, at and over, like I'm still going to Russia for for my financial needs, um, yeah, or, to do, or Germany, to do business. Germany there. needs shit, like they need stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. So, so I mean, for him to think that you know these other countries are just going to step in and and help him in any way that they can, I think he's totally misread that, and I think the U.S. has as well. Um, you know, there's you, even by the report, the statista that you showed where. Um, we are far outpacing all the other countries in support. Well, what does that tell you? You know, if we're far outpacing the countries that could support even half of what we are doing that aren't, what is that telling you? That the means countries, the countries that are right next to the war, basically. Exactly. Literally right <laughs> next door. Yeah. Um, what does that tell you? That tells you that, well, they aren't going to put themselves in a position to be ran over. Right. They're yeah. not going to they're not willing to, you know, hey, listen, Ukraine, you do nothing for us. Um, and we essentially will do nothing for you because, right, it's all quid pro quo in those types of countries. But, um, you know, if you don't do anything for me, you don't pose any type of like, you know, resource for me, then like, why the fuck am I going to give you my resources for you to lose for this other country to come in and take my resources or put me in a position where they remembered what I did and now they're running over me, um, you know, and, and I don't think any of those countries are willing to do that. That's why I think that they're, they're, they are contributing so little. Um, I think they're just willing right now. They're just waiting to see um, what the U.S. can do um, and how far the U.S. is willing to go and this solo battle. And ultimately, if Ukraine falls, um they were out of it, 
right? So whenever they go to the, the table, they can say, listen, I had no part of that. Um, or I disagreed with that wholeheartedly. Right. Um, you know what I mean? And that just goes to show you. And me, as the United States, I would say to that, you know, I, I, that would be telling for me. Like, hey, how come, how come you aren't putting um, even half of what we are? You know, do you support this battle? You know, for, for, forget of what you say on paper and what you say in speeches or to the to the media. Do you really support this? Because because if you really support this, then all of you need to be, um, you know, kind of succinct and and where we have to be all on the same page. And, and it looks like they're not all on the same page, um, at least for the NATO country. Like it doesn't seem like they are all on the same page. Uh, and there's, there seems to be a, a huge disconnect between the United States and all the rest of the countries. And, right, uh, right. You know, and that's evident. Like, obviously, you can see that any 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 person with, uh, you know, two thumbs can see that 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 that's what's happening. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing for us because, we're, again, like I said, we're we're wasting our resources on something that seems like you know we really aren't going to stop. Uh, and I don't think we are willing or the American people are not willing to take it the full way. Right. What do we talk about? What do we say when we say, you know, let's like, let's take it to the very end. What does that mean? You'd say, you say you're going to take it to the very end and you've, you know, we've had a bunch of people already suggest that the full end means the destruction of Russia and, you know, entirely. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Right. But no, but like, you know, we laugh about that, but like, you know, not you know many military leaders have said this like including miley himself right right so so like you know forget about you know forget about like secretary austin and, and everyone else in the defense industry that said like like yeah like we expect fully full annihilation of russia right like you know we laugh about it because like you know that just sounds ludicrous but these are really people like in high positions of government that are actually literally saying that um so that's what's a that? crazy thing to say it like, is that like that concept is insane it's insane to think yeah. about right? yeah and, and, and how does that happen right and you don't think they're having the same conversations i mean they're probably having more of these conversations more on a higher level like bro like you know i mean i think of like the, the typical bro guy right like bro you just said that you know like how did, <laughs> you know like how like how, bro like how are we doing that <laughs> right? yeah seriously um you know, so it's like we have um, um, all these things that are happening and we, uh, you know, no one's really challenging it. No one's really challenging anyone to say that uh, this is the reason why we're doing it this way or this is our plan going forward um, or telling us what the plan is going to be. We have no idea. Yeah, that's that's something I want to comment on, too, is like nobody seems to know what the fucking plan is. It's like, you know, every time I look, it's like, OK, we're making a new aid package. We're going to include some more stuff, some longer range missiles, more tanks, more this. And every every military aid package seems to come with like more lethal equipment that we're sending there. And it's like, well, like you said, it's like, where does this end? Where does this go? Like. What what's the end game here? You know. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't think, um, 
I don't know, man. I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know what the end game is, you know, especially from our standpoint, because if it's not, a, you know, what does that look like a total annihilation of Russia? I, I, I don't, I don't even see that happening right well, now. That, that's not even like the total annihilation of, that's like not a possibility. Like, well, maybe it's a possibility, but like, that's so ridiculous. That's such a ridiculous thought in my mind. Like I, I couldn't even imagine trying to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but I, I don't think we are either. It's just, um, you know, it's a lot of people in high-ranking forms of government that are they're they're saying this, they're they're reiterating this, um, is and that's what's driving our involvement, right? So, whatever is driving our involvement is what the American people see. And that's what the information that we're getting, right? So, you know, if you if you have a, um, you know, if you have um, Secretary Miley or sorry, uh, General Miley saying this, um, you know, yeah, you got to take that serious. You got to take it seriously. I mean, yeah. I did. If you're saying yeah. it like on national TV to a bunch of people, right? Like, you have to take it seriously. No. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's he's literally, like, the highest-ranking <laughs> member of the military. Like, yeah, right. you got you to take him serious. No, I, um, I get it. It's just, like, that that thought, like, that concept is so ridiculous that I, I don't know. I can't even, like, fathom that, you know? Right, and that's why yeah. I said, I mean, I, that's why I think, like, we are already currently in a World War Three scenario um, right now as we speak. Um I always get nervous, like, you know, you go to the gun store, I shoot avidly, and um, you go to the gun store, and uh, I was actually there uh, at, at the gun store probably about uh, a few months ago, and I noticed this Russian guy, he, he was in inside, and he, and he was looking at holsters and, and P-Mags, and I think he had just bought, like, um, you know, a, a New York compliant AK-47, and, and in my head, you know, he's on the phone, he's talking in Russian to some person, and in my head, I'm thinking in my head, like, who is he talking to? Yeah. Right. And, and, and like, why does he have to speak to him? Why does he have to speak to him in Russian? Right. 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 Like why, why can't he just say whatever he's saying in, in English or, you know, like, is he a U.S. national? Right. Or, or is he a foreign national? Um, and I think a lot of the, of the issues we have in this country, you know, basically just comes right underneath our nose. You know, I, for a long time, we talked about this. I was an immigration officer and, uh, right. you know, a lot of our issues in the counterintelligence field, um, stem from our immigration policies. Um, and it's like, well, how did we let this happen? And it's like, well, we have the programs that are allowing them to enter the country legally in some instances and illegally in some instances, and we aren't doing anything about it, right? We created this huge organization, Department of Homeland Security, and we don't really take the Homeland Security seriously. Right, you're talking about like the, the Russian sleeper cells and like the... Uh, yeah. uh, EB, EB-5, the EB-5, um, you know, how Chinese nationals, essentially the investor program, Right. Uh, you know, that, that visa program, you know, basically you have to invest like, I don't know, I think it's like $800,000 into the United States and you get like basically a free visa. 
Um, you know, and, and I think um, what they're not talking about, especially with this farmland stuff, is I, I think a lot of the Chinese nationals are using this EB-5 program to buy farmland, um, which would be telling, right? Because you got Chinese spies that are coming to the United States using a legitimate United States program to buy legitimate critical infrastructure to then right. sabotage it later. Um, right. So like, these are all things that we should be looking into. Um, not yes, like not now, but like yesterday, we should have been looking into this stuff a long time ago. Right. We have plenty of programs from um, different parts of the country that we really need to say, Hey, let's put this on hold. Right. Um, I think, um, I remember, you know, Nigeria has a huge fraud problem, huge fraud problem where um, people marriage fraud or, you know, it was typically marriage fraud. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this, but um, a few years ago, Nigeria was placed on um, basically a, a, a hold where, you know, they weren't issuing any visas to anyone out of Nigeria. Uh, no, I wasn't um, tracking that. Yeah, so like Yemen, you know, obviously like you know, Yemen was on that list. Um, Iraq at one point was on the list. Afghanistan was on that list, right? So uh, essentially what happens when you get on that list, like you don't get a, no issues, no visas are issued to that country. Nigeria was on there, right? Why haven't we done that to China? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's why fair. Don't, why, why, don't, why don't we stop issuing visas to China like right now? Yeah, that's a fair question. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you can't come over to this. But we did it in World War II, I think. Uh, right? When Pearl Harbor happened, I think we snatched up every uh, Japanese national there was <laughs> in the United States. Yeah, um, they did. They did. Yeah. You know, so but yeah. we're not doing that now. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I did an interview with a, a, a gentleman who was a Russian national. He was in the army. And uh, I'm sure there's no counterintelligence or insider threat with him, but I don't know. But he said to me, he goes, hey, let me ask you a question. I was, what's up? He says, do you think um, this whole thing with Russia and Ukraine is going to be an issue for people like me, like, you know, have my security clearance and things like that? And I said, um, not likely. Because it's true. I mean, right. it, you would think. Right. Here's a guy who's in the military, probably holds a pretty serious position in the military, probably has access to a lot of sensitive or classified information. And, you know, I only know what I can see on paper. I only know what I can see on face value. Um, I'm not following him. I'm not, um, you know, engaged in any serious counterintelligence investigation. There are things that happen which make them a serious counterintelligence threat but um and there's those investigations are very sensitive but on face value i have no idea right and i and i think as a whole um right and, I, and i'm the guy on the ground supposed to be protecting national security in that regard right so how many guys do you think slip by how many people do you think um sneak through the cracks a lot. Oh, it happens all the time. Right. So by the FBI standards, you know, there's 10,000 of them that slipped to the cracks. Um, so for me, I think of, 
if we're allowing this to happen and we're not getting out in front of it, right. And we're not taking, and we're getting out in front of it aggressively. Um, well then our foreign adversaries know that, that we're not being aggressive. The same thing with immigration, right? Like EB five program. Well, they know that, um, many Chinese nationals use this that are coming to this country to spy on the United States. Right. And, and other programs that the Chinese nationals use, but are we getting out ahead of it very aggressively? No, we're not. No. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we're granting those visas and they'll be United States citizens and there's nothing we really can do about it. Um, I think there was a program that recently, uh, I think it was 2019 that the FAA or the TSA, uh, federal air marshals, it's called spies in the skies or something like that. Or, um, so it's a, basically a surveillance program that the federal air marshals started um, where they've been following certain individuals on the terrorism watch list. Well, immediately that was like, you know, a lot of them were, you know, U.S. citizens. Like immediately it's like, whoa, you can't do that. You know, a violation of First Amendment. And I, and I get that. You know, there are certain violations, right, especially when it comes to um, discrete inquiry, as I call it, right, um, and spying operations. Um, but we are in a different time. Right. And yeah. now more than ever, you really shouldn't get into the, you know, the 9-11 commission type. Oh, you're spying on me type in, you know, scenarios. And I, and I think we shoot ourselves in the foot. Right. Because we take a perfect program and opportunity to do right by the country and to protect the country. And we totally blow it out of proportion. Right. There's no threat there. There was no threat there. But we took that program. Um, where there are is now actual threats and we can't use it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Right. Like we took the Patriot Act and we went to a bunch of mosques. We spied on a bunch of people. We violated a bunch of people's civil rights. Um, now, fast forward, um, the FISA court has used that court to spy on elected officials. Right. So um, how do you t then take that same process and bring it back to the American people and say, hey, this is why we need this. Um, because there's really threats here in the United States. They're going to say, oh, go fuck yourself, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about, right? You, we, we saw how you used that uh, after 9-11. We saw how you used that in the 2016 election, right? So, you know, uh, I just think going forward, if we're not going to be serious about the threat here in the United States, well, then we're just looking to get ran over. Um and I guess, like I said, I'm just on the guy on the ground. So I try to do my part, like we talked about earlier, um, do my specific part in the, in the overall mission, you know, and the overall uh, main objective right? the bigger picture. Uh, and that's all I can do and hope that there are people like me and yourself that are doing the same um, and have the, those attention to detail skills and um, ask the right questions and, you know, go to the right places and, and do the right things that they're supposed to be doing within their skill set um, or their trade craft. Um, but I just don't feel confident. And I guess, you know, like I tell my wife, you know, I don't really feel confident in, you know, where this country is going or where we will be literally in two years. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I, I you know, I, I see it too, man. I see it too. You know, Russia's currently in the middle of a war. They have millions of people they can conscript. 
and I don't know. I see, I see it, you know, in the U S it's like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like everyone's divided and, and they, there's no real sense of pride anymore. I don't know. It's not like when we grew up, there was more of a sense of pride, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah no, it's like I said, we, we talked about that and, you know, nationalism is pretty much dead in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, so hopefully, like I said, man, uh, going forward, if, we have, um, if like even putting the word out, you know, and hopefully people will see or hear this podcast and say, um, we should really be pushing for, um, a more aggressive stance in protecting our national interests, um, and preventing, you know, I guess preventing something from happening here in the United States. Um, no, I agree for sure. Yeah. And and I think we need to really ask ourselves and really look into where we're spending our fucking money. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and and, I, and I, honestly, I don't think it's um, right. That's I think that's many, many levels of above our pay grade, um, right? Like we don't have a choice, right? They're right. Just spending, oh, yeah. I don't point. have a choice. Yeah, they're just spending it at this point. But – um, you know, I guess holding your elected officials accountable, um, or I don't really know what the answer is, man. I, honestly, I, I'll tell you, you know, I have put myself in more of a fight or flight, um, situation where I can only protect myself and my family and I can only prepare to do that. Um, I don't think we are in a position right now, at least, to um, object like we objected possibly during the Iraq invasion, right? Um, I just, I just don't think we're in a position to object to something that's already in motion. You know, we kind of right. just have to, as Americans, we kind of just have to like wait and see how it plays out. You know, yeah. like they're, they're literally playing with our lives right now. Um, so I see that writing on the wall. And I, I guess the only thing I think of is how to prepare myself, you know, the guy on the ground, right? You know, how do I get my individual checklists together? Um, how do I put together my individual battle plan? How do I put together my um, individual contingency plan together? Um, and it's sad to, to, to say that it is, but, um, you really have to operate as a one man fire team going forward. Uh, yeah. I think that's really good advice, honestly. Uh, yeah, you do, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, and that means really, uh, you know, briefing your family, you know, and I, I, I do it to my, my wife pretty much on a daily basis to the point where I think she thinks I'm crazy, but, um, <laughs> But seriously, you know, yeah. I, I tell her, like, you know, these are the threats that are happening. Um, and it is happening. So, yes, I could be the, the husband, dad, um, you know, government employee and just go to work every day and drive on. Um, or I can be the lunatic person that's always thinking about threats because of what I see in my job and just typical like day to day. Um, intelligence reports that are coming out or I can do a little bit of both 
Yeah. And I think that's why, and that's where I think I need to be. Uh, I need to do a little bit of both. I need to be compassionate and understanding that, you know, America is just, isn't there yet. Like we just aren't um, equipped to understand what's happening at the magnitude that it's happening at. Um, and we have to understand that there's going to be people that are just going to be just literal mouth breathers. Um, so that's why I say, you know, if you have the ability to be your own one man fire team and to develop your own specific battle plans in your own head, um, without, I guess, notifying or, or alarming anyone else, I think that's going to be the best option for prepared individuals. No, that's great advice. I mean, shit, you know, learn so, you know, for the people listening, like learn some survival skills, hundred percent, you know, stuff like that. And, 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 you know, me and you, we, we shoot guns, we like guns, but you know, guns are not the enemy, you know? No, it's no, no. And, 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 and and it's just a tool, right? So, um, you know, you got to look at other tools to essentially, um, be able to protect yourself and your family, right? We have tools or the government has given us tools or trade crafts um, to protect the United States. Um, you have to kind of use those same uh, mythology to kind of develop tools to protect your family and yourself. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we, we are a little bit of an advantage Um I like to say myself, even with um, human intelligence, uh, tradecraft, you know, no one knows more like the guy on the ground. And and I'll say that a hundred times over. Um, If you can keep your ear to the ground and look at uh, things real time and have the ability to look at things real time and and put the pieces together, it's going to help you so much to essentially... Uh, prepare yourself for what you may or may not ever happen. Right. Um, And I think, like I said, we need to prepare more and, and, and have more individuals that are uh, skilled in that manner, in that regard. And that's my take, man. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem, man. Uh, This was awesome. Great conversation. Um, yeah, dude, I'm I want to have you on again for sure. For sure, yeah. Uh, this is this is this is something like I said. I I knew it was going to be awesome, and yeah, uh, you know, like I said, I think you, you're. I'm I'm new to podcasts. I'm new to like, you know, doing this, but I I really enjoy it, and I really enjoyed spending time with you today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. That was great. Thank you so much. No problem, man. I'll talk to you later. I'm sure I'll, I'm right. sure I'll find some article and we'll probably fucking talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. We're, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. All right, brother. All right, man. Take, take care. Later.